You are listening to Satellite Sisters. This is our recap of the CBS drama, Madam Secretary. Today, we're recapping the episode, Good Bones, from, I don't know, like eight days ago. We were on spring break, people. I'm, I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California, and I'm here with my sister, Julie Dolan, in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, Julie, we took a week off. I mean, I almost felt guilty. I did too, Leanne. I mean, because we have been monitoring this show so closely yes. that I feel like we uh, we we fell down a little. But but we, but we both needed to take spring breaks. So, but we're back, and I think that we're going to have an enhanced uh, podcast today. That's exactly right. You waited a week for this recap of this episode, so we're giving you more, more, more. Uh, we have some breaking Madam Secretary news at the end of the show, and then I have some inside information um, that I gleaned from women that work at the U.S. Department of State so uh, about what they think of the show. So we're going to talk about that at the end of our recap of Good Bones. But um, first we have to establish, unbelievably, this episode takes place in Kyrgyzstan, which right. most people are going, where? Uh, and I would have been amongst your uh, your number, except Julie Dolan, you have a very special personal connection to Kyrgyzstan. And so you are unquestionably an expert in this area. Yes, I am, Leanne. Uh, my uh, my daughter-in-law, Vera, is from Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan. Uh, that's where she grew up. She's ethnically Russian, um, but Kyrgyzstan, which is located sort of next to Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, and China, it's in Central Asia. It's a small, mountainous country, um, and this is where she grew up. So, yes, I, I do know about Kyrgyzstan. While I have never been there, my grandchildren have gone back and forth to Kyrgyzstan a number of times. And uh, can I just say right from the start, because I think this was one of the running kind of jokes in the show. They were talking about there, there are three, three countries or two countries and an autonomous region. There's Kazakhstan. There is Kurdistan in northern Iraq, which is uh, a semi-autonomous region. And then there's Kyrgyzstan, okay? And they are not to be confused. They're very different places. And I do feel on two occasions, uh, the Madam Secretary, our best, who has a PhD, and far be it from me <laughs> to tell her, but I heard her say Kyrgyzstan, which is sort of a mashup between Kurdistan and Kyrgyzstan. Okay, so it's Kyrgyzstan with a Y, okay, not Kyrgyzstan, which she said. Okay, just a little point, okay, which I'm sure that Nadine or perhaps Blake would correct her, but she had a lot going on in that. So I look forward to going to this country, Lynn, and in fact, I think it is a place that you would like to go to. It's absolutely beautiful, you know, beautiful mountains. But there is an event uh, that they will be hosting this coming September that I think you might want to get in on because I, because of your love of the Olympics, I know you would not want to miss the third annual World Nomad Games. Oh, yes, wow. because as as the as the episode mentioned, the Kyrgyz are nomadic people. Okay, and they had this past year, uh, this past September, a highly successful World Nomad Nomad Games. Forty countries participated, Leon. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And they had a lavish opening ceremony. I would imagine and, they're good at marching. Yeah. Right. right. No, uh, no not good so much. at wandering they, around. Right. They had <laughs> they, the events for the World Nomadic Games included flaming horsemen, uh, eagle hunting, 
stick wrestling, and of course, really the big major event, that would be goat carcass polo. Okay, that yes, they play polo with a goat, a beheaded goat carcass. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So it's a big event, very popular. Lots of people came. The U.S. had a small team there. They had eight members. Uh, These were cowboys from Wyoming that somehow were in (laughs) Central Asia, formed a little team, and they were in the goat carcass polo events. They didn't do so well because they're not natural nomads like some of the other contenders. But I I would say put it on your calendar. Uh, uh, Oh, they even had a celebrity. Steven Seagal was there. (laughs) too. (laughs) Maybe that's where they got this storyline then. Because they did use a celebrity. Yes, they did. (laughs) In this one. I wonder if the writers read about the nomad games and just kind of stole that piece of it. Well, I just wanted to alert you because we are we are thinking of visiting Kyrgyzstan at some point, and we just thought we'd like to go in September to because don't you want to see the world nomad? Yeah, games? actually, that be that a blast sounds... to see eagle hunting yeah. and stick wrestling and yeah. stay in a yurt. You know, come on, sure. that would be good. Sure, um, I you know explain though it was part of the former Soviet Union. It was right? part of the former Jay, Soviet. Jay said that too. You know, yes, in the yes. show. So that's it, how your daughter-in-law, who you say is ethnically Russian, like her family came from where? Mo- Moscow to move They there? were in Russia, but uh, but her her aunt, her grandparents were exiled to Kyrgyzstan because of their German connections. That this was very common under the Stalin period that a lot of you know, you know, of people that were considered undesirable by by Stalin were sent to populate um, these these regions such as Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan. So they they you know, that's how her family got to um, Kyrgyzstan, to Bishkek. Yeah. Uh, but I'm and learning so, a lot on this podcast. I didn't yes. Know that. So there there, you know, it has sort of a so-called democracy. That's what mm. I would call not really. You know, it's run by sort of a very a Soviet uh, sympathizer, strongman guy. Uh, they have very strong connections to Russia. However, during the Afghan Afghan war for many years, they allowed the U.S. Um, to use their air base um, in Kyrgyzstan, which was very important to our um, operations in Afghanistan. Uh, but I'm not certain, not so much um, these days. So, uh, but it is, you know, it is a beautiful country, certainly worth visiting. So uh, put it on your list. All right. Thank you. From the Kyrgyzstan desk here at Satellite Sisters Talk TV, <laughs> Talk TV podcast. Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan. You got it. You got it. All right, so the show opens in a very dramatic fashion in Kyrgyzstan, but we have three story we have three storylines going. First on the dem- diplomatic front, okay? Uh we have a human trafficking storyline that involves a kidnapped American missionary and um the the refusal of the US Department of State to pay ransom and using Hollywood stars and a botched mission these are all part of that diplomatic storyline that leads to basically a collective existential crisis there for our team at the US Department of State by the end of the episode they are questioning like why they get up and go to work every day very i thought there were several times in this episode Julie where i teared up yeah, I did too. Yeah. I thought this was a very powerful episode. I would, I would I have to say it was one of my favorite of this season. Yeah. Okay. On the home front, we have this sort of parallel storyline going uh, with the younger son, Jason, and the middle daughter. Why Why they call her Noodle, but <laughs> it's 
So that's what I wrote in my notes, but that's not her actual but, name. But, but Noodle, I mean, it's really best the best use of the kids yet, okay? I yes. really thought it was their storyline was very credible. It was about, like, you know, teenagers and boyfriends and, you know, and crossing lines and what you tell your parents and don't tell your parents, et cetera, et cetera. I, I thought it was the best yet of um, of the kids. So and the siblings I, standing up for each other, not always, but doing their best. Yeah, I thought it was an excellent, excellent job. Plus, fantastic Edie Sedgwick dress. And then... <laughs> Finally, on the Duck Dynasty front, uh, I don't know about you, Julie, but when the FBI agent, that cool FBI agent said, we need to wrap up this operation, I started cheering from the couch. So I I don't know. And I started to cry. When they when they were interviewing that alleged uh, suicide bomber and they said, this is just the beginning that there's so much more to uncover. I wrote, oh, no, exclamation point, exclamation point. Please stop with this. Okay, so here's what you need to know. There is an entire intelligence community, and somehow Henry is the one that ends up driving around the D.C. area with two busted legs and a bomb in the back of his truck. He really was wielding his crutches very effectively, Leon. Don't don't you think? Yeah, he's like Jason Bourne on crutches. <laughs> it was. I mean, what was that? He was what doing was karate that? chops with crutches. I crutch- know. It was just unbelievable. Okay. All right. So we'll start with the major storyline. Uh, the opening scene, we have women in a cargo hold and they're crying. We see women being interrogated. It's clear that they've been kidnapped for some purpose. We don't know what, but we can guess that it's human trafficking. And, uh, and you hear in this cargo hold, this one American voice say, don't worry, they're looking for me. Someone's going to come for me. And that's when the whole storyline sets up that, uh, that this, uh, Kyrgyzstan has a terrible relation, terrible record on, uh, human trafficking and human rights. And they want to work out some kind of deal with them, but first they have to get that right. And they're trying to get this, this American voice turns out to be a missionary that went missing two years ago. And there's some really poignant scenes within this where Nadine was at the state department. Then she was the liaison between the missionaries and the, the family between state department and the missionaries family and the state department does not pay ransom and they did not pay a ransom for this young girl. And she essentially went underground for two years and emerged in Kyrgyzstan. And Julie, I thought Nadine did an incredible job. In this I did too. Episode. I thought Nadine was outstanding. I thought the mother of this Laura Kramer character, uh, I thought she was very uh, credible too. You know, she did, it was just, you know, you could really feel her pain. You could really feel, you know, I thought Nadine's, you know, the character, how sensitive she was to the mother. And yet at the same time, she had a very professional stance with the mother. Yeah, I I, I thought, I th- again, it was a very good use. This is something that Madam Secretary, I think, does so well, is to take a, a topic like human trafficking and and put it in their storyline in a very compelling, emotional, dramatic way uh, that really makes you care about these things, you know. So uh, I, you know, I enjoyed that. 
And it also makes you appreciate the wheeling and dealing that go on behind the scenes because when Best contacts the president of Kyrgyzstan, who is portrayed as a bit of a buffoon with yeah. an interpreter who plays along with him, uh, yeah. he's not really that concerned about the human trafficking going on in his country, you know, but, uh, but he would very much like to meet this specific American movie star who stars in basically what sound like Hunger Games type of movie. Right. Type of movie. Right. I mean, the Russian, you know, this Russian, uh, sort of, you know, character, uh, Nagoyev, who was, uh, who's the president of Kyrgyzstan. Yeah. He started playing it as sort of a Kim Jong-un or Kim Jong-il kind of position, you know, like he's just this crazy guy who watches American movies and has a fixation with an American uh, actress, which is, was totally the MO of Kim Jong-il. Yeah. So there's a really funny scene where all of a sudden the tables are turned on Bess. She's try she thinks she's negotiating, you know, with this crazy president and she ends up promising that sure, I'm going to get Ashley the actress to show up at your birthday party. That sounds great. <laughs> and then he clicks off the, you know, secure Skype and she looks at Nadine like, "What just happened?" I mean, that <laughs> I thought that was very funny. There were some lines in this movie in the beginning of the episode that were so funny. So the sort of the power and the weight of the end of the episode really surprised me. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was one of those scenes. So now, you know, the team at State is on the mission to convince Ashley, uh, who is in New York doing a Broadway play, doing The Tempest, that she should go on this, you know, mission, humanitarian mission to Kyrgyzstan, but they can't give her all the details. And uh, her mother, her momager refuses which i thought was very funny that yeah. they included that line yeah. in there yeah uh and her momager refuses but then they double back and they say listen if we can get her engaged in actually this laura's story this american who's with all these other women we think we can do it and they I, it was like mom diplomacy there at the yeah. state department there was nadine as a mother there was laura kramer's mother came in there was ashley her mother and madam secretary you know five women negotiating this and ashley says okay i'll go if it can if it can save laura kramer if it can save these other women i'll do it uh even though it was you know it was potentially very dangerous yeah, absolutely. But it was certainly Bess's light bulb moment of this episode because she was the one that thought it would be a good idea to have Laura Kramer's mother meet with this momager um, and Ashley. So that worked out. So I, I mean, but you were worried about Ashley going over there because the whole place as portrayed in this episode looked very dicey. You know, yeah. it's not in real life quite as dicey as it was. Uh, oh, portrayed. really? No, yeah, my grandchildren go there all the time. Bishkek okay. is pretty decent. Okay? <laughs> okay, it's a good point. It's a good okay. Point. But yeah, points for the Hillary Swank dictator line. Yeah, you know, that was points, good. Points for the rope-a-dope by the momager. And then yeah. there was the Trudeau joke. Like, oh, maybe we can promise her like a state dinner with a hot Canadian prime minister. That was funny. Uh, okay, so off Ashley goes to the birthday party. And then meanwhile, they had worked this high-level rescue mission. And the high-level rescue mission falls apart, like, while they're watching on TV. I know. They can't know. do anything when they see it falling apart because they don't want to endanger Ashley. And speaking of high-level security... <laughs> you, What's going on with that German shepherd of yours? Her mortal enemy is walking by. Somebody Russian, oh. I think. I don't know. Um, From Kyrgyzstan, yeah. Kurdistan, or Kazakhstan, Liam. Uh, so... Uh, so Oh, and then what happens is horrific. That's when they are able to apprehend the, the trucks full of young women later, they're all dead. Yeah. And it really, 
That was very sad. I, I that really hit me. Like I didn't the, think it was going to be that. I was like, oh, no, well, I'm sure neither. as they open the truck, they're going to be able to revive all these women, and we're going to find Laura Kramer, and this is going to be a big success for uh, for the State Department and everything. So it was it was really shocking, and it was just shocking that that it was that they were all dead. Yeah, and I think the really sad part is that this happens every day in the world, right? Human trafficking, exactly. we we don't think about it much here in the United States, but, you know, there are 32 million uh, people being held in slavery right now around the world. So uh, it was a very personal look at the tragedy of that and how, you know, the head of the country just looked the other way. People just look the other way. If it serves them politically to look the other way, they do. And so, you know, th- I thought it was very effective. And then we really see the whole crew kind of unable to function. They managed to get their budget passed, but they can't even rally. And so Madam Secretary calls them all into the office after, you know, 24 hours or so and said, hey, listen, this is why has this affected us? And it's just because it was so personal and they, they watched it happen. They watched the mission go bad. They had the best of intent. They thought they could at least save these young women and they couldn't. And it did make them think, why are we here? I thought it was a really powerful scene, Bess, at the end. I, yeah, again, a very unexpected sort of turn in the story yet where we're just watching their reactions, you know, and that, that was very human. So I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Beth said, you know, we've all seen the worst in humanity, so why is this one doing us in? And, you know, they talk about saving the world kind of one binder at a time, what they do. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it must feel like a drop in the ocean sometimes uh, mm-hmm. when you work day to day in the State Department. So, um, so excellent job on that storyline. And then we had the parallel storyline, which was sort of the state of girls, you know, in the United States, when your mom's the Secretary of State, there was kind of a, a high school dance happening, and uh, both the middle daughter and Jason, the son, were going. It was at the private school where Jason was like tossed out of or asked to leave or, or left, uh, but they had both been invited, um, and they had both been invited by sort of D.C. children. So I thought that was an interesting thing, like that the daughter of the Secretary of State was going with the son of the senator who was in charge of the Foreign Relations Committee. Like, yeah, I'm sure that happens all the time. Yeah, I'm sure it's very complicated for them. And then Noodle started to think, oh, is he only going out with me because my mother is Secretary of State? And, you know, you're insecure enough. But then to have a layer on all those power positions of your parents and the interrel- those interrelations uh, makes it really difficult. Right. And his name was Thad. So he was cast <laughs> as like the classic preppy named Thad. The rich I- preppy in the Range Rover. Right. Yes. Exactly. And, it, and uh, he shows up to pick up his date. And, you know, Noodle's the one who's in the into fashion. We know that because we hear that every week. But she has created her own dress. It's a take. Which uh, I applauded that, Lee. And I was like, I think they have been listening to our podcast because yeah. we said, OK, if we're if she's really into fashion, why isn't she making her own clothes? <laughs> and she actually made her dress, which was really adorable. It was, it was very cute. It was Edie Sedgwick. It had like a see-through uh, midriff, which I, again, I don't know where, like they would never have allowed at my son's high school, a girl to wear a dress like that at an all-boys Catholic school. The girls had very specific roles on their dresses, but not there in D.C. 
And so she went off and Jason's giving her grief. Jason's going with like kind of a girl who's a hippie that he's sort of into and she's a feminist and, and she's always preaching to him and he's excited. Piper, right? Wasn't that her name? Right. right. So Thad and Piper are the dates and Jason overhears Thad going on about his sister in the boys room saying things like, oh boy, that dress is practically asking for it. And oh, she sent me all these wild texts and then, and he does nothing. He says nothing. He kind of listens in the stall. Now I want to give him a little bit of leeway there because Thad's like a senior. He's like a freshman or a sophomore. Uh, you know, I don't know. Do you think he should have spoken up at that moment in that? It would have been very hard for him to confront him at that moment. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, uh, so, but he didn't. And it turns out Thad tries to take advantage of the sister who's not having any of it. She, she leaves him. She leaves without him. She goes home with Jason. And then it all comes out that like, oh my gosh, you heard, how come you didn't do anything? She's pretty harsh on her brother. He feels terrible. He, you know, he's just beginning to get into these relationships with girls and understand sort of the double, the pressure on them and the double standards. And I thought it was interesting, uh, the double standard that Henry did, because, it, you know, when the boy came in to pick up the daughter, Henry took a photo. What is that about? I didn't understand that. Is that standard operating procedure that if you're the father of a daughter, you take a photograph of your daughter's date's driver's license? I don't know. I thought that implied he was going to do like some sort of CIA, FBI level two black dog station background check. Uh, Okay. Okay. All right. But the son, the son was like, no, no, I don't even need to meet her. Go out. And as the mother of boys, that always makes me crazy. I'm like, you know, sometimes girls are the insiders. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, Leanne. they're not all. She <laughs> should have gotten out of the rideshare car, come in, yeah. and met uh, met Henry. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Come on. And I, I don't know why Henry was drinking. Okay. Can I can I say I was a little alarmed at that. That here he is, the father of two teenagers who are going out for a dance. Mm-hmm. And okay, now he's had a rough day. Okay, he almost he he had to fight off people with crutches and everything like that. So he has the whiskey bottle and the giant glass of whiskey. But that doesn't seem like that's a good way to meet uh, your daughter you know, or son's uh, dates. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I yeah, I I did not. You yes. gave, him, you gave I, him. I was laugh. not a big fan of that. Like you would go to somebody's house for the photos, and they you know the they would have wine and stuff. Yeah, I was not a big fan of that. Yeah. In general, I was not a big fan of going to anyone's house to take photos. <laughs> Pretty much. So, um, okay. So, uh, all right. So, uh, so that all wraps up where, you know, the brother and the sister, the brother ends up defending the sister at school. He writes something on his Range Rover, you know, that his girlfriend told him to write. Now he's woke. She's okay. You know, they win over the head of the school. They're not going to be punished because, you know, they feel like it was justified. And there's a sibling bond there that's been created with the two of them. So it was an interesting yeah. parallel story. Good the- episode for the kids. Yeah, they really had something to do. You learn more about their characters. I think they're that much older that you're really interested in what's happening. So I liked it a lot. Yeah. And then the third story we just we, we don't need to spend a lot of time on, but <laughs> we are not going to spend any. We don't want to encourage. We don't want to encourage the sec- the writers at Madam Secretary to continue this episode at uh, this uh, this line of 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 story um, on the, on the episode. 
yeah, I just will reiterate what Beth said when she found out what Henry had been doing all day. She said, can you uh-huh. explain to me why the injured ethics professor is the guy driving the truck with the bomb in it? You know, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Beth. I think we were all thinking that. And then she made a funny Jack Ryan joke. So, um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't trust the asset. I haven't trusted him since he no. showed up. We said that he appears to be untrustworthy and they appear to be going down another, you know, another tunnel with this story. So we're going to hang in there. But again, okay. we like Henry at the college as a college professor. I enjoyed when he was, you know, saving antiquities in Syria. I liked that. So <laughs> that was professorial and yet timely. That is also a front page news story. So, uh, but there you have it. So that, that was this uh, episode. Good bones is what it was called. Um, there were some funny, remember when Blake like kept disappearing in the beginning of the I episode? I know. I was, getting, I was getting worried about that. Yeah. Okay. So in our binders full of blouses, uh, we mentioned the Edie Sedgwick dress. Very cute. More of that. More of her, her own creations. And then I just asked a question, how many white coats does she have? I mean, she has a I lot of white them. coats. Those white trench coats. I love them all. Keep wearing them. Is that the same one or is it, that one looks slightly different this week. It looked a little shorter. The neck, things around the neck look different, but I, yeah, it's, it's a very good look on. So it's just so wildly impractical to have a white coat, but it looks so good on TV. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Anything else from you? No, I binders? would have to. I was. I would have to say my binders of blouses is pretty empty. I think I was so involved with the story yes. this time, and uh, you know, and it was so moving that I really wasn't looking at the fashion quite as much. I, re- I, I really, agree. Just, I really, I just, I, I, the acting it was so good this time. I, that's that's really what caught my attention. Um, okay, a couple of breaking news stories from Madam Secretary. I follow a lot of the cast on Twitter, and they were in D.C. last week filming the season finale. So, Julie, the season finale has been shot in Washington, D.C. So, that's, that's exciting, Liam. Yes. And then if you are a fan of the show, and obviously if you're listening to this, you are, and sort of interested in how the writers are working and thinking in this age of the new administration, there was a great piece in the New York Times this week that featured Barbara Hall, who's the creator of Madam Secretary, along with other head writers from Veep, from House of Cards, and from Scandal, Shonda Rhimes, all about how they put together their storylines, and are they trying to mirror the news? Are they one step ahead? How do they seem to be one step ahead? And uh, so all interesting people talking about sort of how they're shaping their shows. Most of them seem to be saying the last thing we actually want to do is is rip stuff from the headlines. In fact, they seem to have taken more stuff out of the shows once... (laughs) things started to yeah. unfold would that be the word storylines yeah, that they confa- they're confounded by yeah. uh, the new administration yeah. i think that would be um, this uh, overall summary of uh, their approach yeah. yes storylines that they had thought would like last all season they wrapped up in two episodes because it started to happen in real life but i thought barbara hall's answers were interesting because she said you know our focus is not on domestic policy issues which are such hot button issues Mm -hmm. it's on foreign policy issues and just like you said human trafficking is not a story that is not a something that shows are tackling all the time but they can really dive into it and sort of express a point of view because it's set in a foreign country 
You know, it kind of gives her a little bit more creative leeway with mm-hmm. the stories than if it was just focused on domestic policy issues. But really interesting. So we'll put a link to that at SatelliteSisters.com. And then finally, Julie, one of the reasons we took spring break was that I've mentioned a couple times on the show. I work um, with the U.S. Department of State for Reels uh, as part of a sort of volunteer activity that I do. Something that I'm interested in is global women's issues. You're and a I, citizen diplomat, Liam. I am. Just- Thank you, Julie. Citizen diplomat. Uh, I belong to an NGO called the American Women for International Understanding, and we work with the U.S. Department of State Office of Global Women's Issues on something called the International Women of Courage. Um, It's usually done in March, Women's History Month. They've been doing it for 10 years. It was a program started by Secretary Rice and then carried on by Secretary Clinton and Secretary Kerry, and the new administration decided to go forward with it. And so they name this year, 13 women from all over the world who are doing extraordinary things. Uh, everything from stopping human trafficking to supporting rape victims in Iraq to a nun who runs a nursery school for both Christian and Muslim children in Damascus to, you know, a woman in Peru fighting to shore up the rights of rape victims in that country. You know, these are women from Yemen, you know, who are rehabilitating child soldiers who have been fighting for ISIS and Al-Qaeda, and she tries to reintegrate them into society. We had a major from Niger who is a UN peacekeeper, and through her work as a peacekeeper, she's created legislation to let um, war widows keep their children. Um, They used to be just sort of taken by the male relatives in the family, and the boys would be sent back into war and trained as child soldiers, and the girls would be shipped off into human trafficking rings. And these women are doing incredibly hard things in incredibly dangerous parts of the world. And they bring them to the U.S., the State Department, they give them a ceremony in D.C., and then they send them out on a cultural tour of the United States uh, all over the country. And then they reconvene in Los Angeles where our organization is able to celebrate them with an evening and then give them monetary grants. So it's a super satisfying thing to work on for me. I did not know I could be a diplomat. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't either, Lynn. I didn't think you were capable. Totally. But you've been you doing be a bang-up dip- job, Lynn. And this is, you know, I know you just had a lot of success with your most recent event. Yes. So we had the events. I act as the producer of the events. Again, it's all volunteer. But we have people from the State Department come out to our event. We've been working with them all year on getting this right and, and working very closely with them. So, of course, after the big emotional evening and we have these powerful speeches from a woman from Yemen and a woman from the Congo and people are cheering and we're all in it together. Of course, after all that, then I get the chance to ask them about television. Because that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we talk about in America. So I asked some of the women from the State Department who were there. I'm like, so do you watch Madam Secretary? And oh, yeah. uh, they, they nodded yes. And then one of them laughed. They said, we just don't understand, like, how does she have all that time to take walks in the middle of the day? Like, where is she going on those walks? How How is security just letting her walk out of the building like that? So. That made me really laugh, but uh, they enjoyed the show, enjoyed the show for the most part. So, but the walks confounded them. But anyway, if you're good interested, detail, Liam. yeah, if you're interested, Google International Women of Courage and you can read all about this year's winners and, and, you know, you can get involved. Uh, if you go to Facebook, the U.S. Department of State's Office of Women's Global Issues has a Facebook page and you can like that and stay informed. If, uh, if you like Madam Secretary, my guess is you'd sort of be interested in learning more about uh, diplomatic issues. So there you go.
That's that's our new that's our extended enhanced Madam Secretary recap show today. I think we did it, Leanne. We did it. We did it. All right. Uh, anything else going on? No, I think that's it, Leanne. We got to wrap it up now. <laughs> We're wrapping it up. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. <laughs>